and welcome to TLF Gems, a podcast about customer experience and insight from TLF Research. I'm Stephen Hampshire. And I'm Greg Roche. And in today's podcast, we're going to be talking about the Index of Consumer Sentiment, a white paper that we've recently released in terms of looking at the results of it. And Stephen, you're one of the sort of co-authors on it. I think we've been doing it for a few years, haven't we, the Consumer Sentiment? We, we have, yeah. So we, we've so we run it on our consumer panel, and we started measuring in October 2018. Okay, and you're doing just, a little sub in your head there. <laughs> <laughs> what I was thinking about was was, and we'll perhaps talk about this a little bit later. Is we've obviously gone through COVID lockdown in that period, and and I know we've seen some changes mm-hmm. in consumer sentiment, and perhaps we'll come to that in a well, I'm sure we'll come to that in a, in a little bit. Do you want to just give a little? bit of a background as to what um, the index of consumer sentiment is and part two of your question is it's obviously been established for uh, a long time in the USA as a very key measure mm. and we haven't really had anything like that like this uh, in the UK. That's that's really why we started so there are various measures of consumer confidence and consumer sentiment that that you'll find so if you have a, have a Google you'll find lots of Similar-ish UK measures of, of consumer confidence or sentiment, or or words along those lines. What we Steve, felt, Stephen, Stephen, yeah. sorry to interrupt you. Just define. Do you see a difference between confidence and sentiment? Well, that's an interesting question, isn't it? The semantics of that. Um, in some ways, no. I think they use more or less interchangeably. I think they slightly emphasise different aspects of it. So, for me. And one of the things I really like about the index of consumer sentiment approach that that we sort of copied from the University of Michigan's approach in the States is that it has these different components. So there's the, how are you feeling right now? You know, how are your finances and your, you know, you and your family's finances? And also what do you think of the economy right now? So it's kind of now for you personally and now for the economy. And then there's also the future for you personally and for the economy. Um, So there's this, I like the way it's almost like sort of now and next for me and for the economy. Yeah. I think those, you know, micro and macro and sort of now and into the future gives you quite an interesting perspective to understand. And all of those things correlate, right? So, you know, if you've got less money in your pocket today, you probably feel worse about the future. But but people do seem to discriminate a little bit between, well, I'm feeling a squeeze now, but I'm feeling a bit optimistic. Or it's, So I think people people's views and confidence are a bit messy and ambiguous but but complex enough that it's worth trying to separate out those, those feelings yeah I, I i think that's that's one of the strengths of it because i think having the macro as well as the micro because we do live in both those worlds mm. um and they do affect differently how, how you know how we how we feel about things it seems a very reliable measurement it seems a very strong measurement and in terms of looking at some of the tracking it, it, it seems to be one of these things that intuitively makes sense but then adds a bit more to the, the intuition yeah i agree with that it, it's like a lot of these things it, it is there's almost like a sort of bootstrapping thing with, with with any measurement i find that you when you first get the measurement back, you check it makes sense against your intuition and you always don't, you trust your intuition more than the measure. And then because it seems to work, you then start trusting the measure more than your intuition. Um, and you go, oh, that's interesting. It's changing. So something must be going on because the last time it changed, it was for a reason. So yeah, it's sort of, 
the longer it goes on, the more confidence you develop in it. And, and I, that's something I really feel like, I, you know, I've been looking at this since October 2018. And really over time, we, we've been releasing the results, but but this is a, so quarter one, 2022. It's probably the first time we've really made a big splash with the results. So so I guess that's one of the reasons we're talking about it now. And we, we've sort of written up the results properly as a report that you can download from the website. So we we, we, we really believe now that it's meaningful information that businesses ought to be paying attention to because I think it's going to be informative about potential consumer behavior in the future. Yeah. And I think that's the real strength of it. We talk a lot about people behave based on the way they feel. So whether it's satisfaction, dissatisfaction, loyalty, all those things we, we spend a lot of time talking about, it's the way people feel is what makes them behave now or in the future. And what I really liked about this is this is a real horizon scanning, be a bit of a buzzword. It gives you a real sense of, hey, this is how people are likely to behave in the future because this is how they feel now. You inevitably start wondering. And so, so the field work for quarter one happened in January. Of course, Sufield work is going to happen in April. And immediately I'm thinking, oh, I wonder how, well, all of our energy prices suddenly shot up today. So we're recording yeah. on the 1st of April. Um, not everyone, because it depends on, on your contract and so on, but yeah. a lot of people's energy prices went up a lot today. And that's going to have knock-on consequences for the prices of everything else. So how will people be feeling in April when they score the index of consumer sentiment? I, I, I have a suspicion. I don't think it's going to be a very high score, but it will be really interesting to see what combination of effects that has on you know, their personal finances and their view of the economy in, in the future. Absolutely. And, and, you know, the news today is actually full of a lot of people saying, well, I'm going to have to make this choice or that choice and, and intuitive, you, you, you know, things. And some people are going to be more affected than other people. But I think what the what the white paper gives us is it goes, it's like any market research or any research, it goes into the detail. There is going to be an overall macro feeling, but, mm -hmm. but, but you know, how's it going to be split across the UK? Are some more demographics going to be affected by others? And just being able to drop down a couple of levels and for organisations to understand a bit more devil in the detail is going to be really powerful, MI. Yeah, and one of the things we're looking to do going forward is to build in more and more data splits because we're researchers and that's our solution to everything so we're gonna we're gonna start asking more questions that we can profile the results by and really understand therefore what's what's causing or or, or maybe not what's causing but what who are the people who are feeling confident who are the people who are, who are feeling less confident so as an example in one of the previous waves we, we looked at voting intention and people who were intending to vote conservative i.e in line with the government were far more confident about the future of the economy in that quarter than people who are intending to vote labor far more yeah. um and that i don't think that's a huge surprise but it is interesting um and i think there will be some more probably if you like more actionable or at least more more uh, revealing insights by looking outside of sort of politic politics to look at you know kind of demographics and so on and so forth just want to give us a little bit of a recap of what's happened since 2018 and perhaps some of the highlights of what's happened with the consumer sentiment, sort of pre-COVID, COVID, lockdown and post-COVID. Um, post yeah, so we'll, we'll put a link in, in the show notes uh, to 
to sort of download the full report where you can have a look for yourselves. But in very broad terms, for the first kind of year of the index, to be honest, I was a little bit worried uh, because nothing was happening. <laughs> the scores weren't moving very much. And, and then they sort of started, it, it, you know, but in January 2020, there was actually a sort of burst of optimism. They went up. It was a bit of a, a kind of, you know, Brexit bounce or a Boris bounce, possibly. Oh, people are, you know, people seem to be feeling very optimistic. And then in quarter two, 2020, things changed, as, as we all know, uh, and confidence absolutely fell off the cliff and you know we're able to to look at the results obviously from the us and see that exactly the same thing happened in the us um there's a, a similar measure in in europe and we can see a sim, you know the same thing happened in europe it was a sort of global collapse in in optimism yeah. for, for very obvious reasons with the pandemic yeah. and if you do look at the lines it is literally a cliff edge you can absolutely see the change in confidence yes i mean it is a wild swing isn't it yeah and then yeah so, so since then it's been really, really volatile. And I think that's, it very much, you could almost do one of those timelines. We haven't actually done this, perhaps we should. You know, where you put on sort of text boxes on the timeline saying, oh, here was the second wave of COVID or yeah. here, here is where, you know, the cost of living crisis started to hit or you, know, you can really see news event, you know, here, here's where a tanker gets stuck in the Suez Canal. You, you could almost see these kind of big events that we all know about feeding yeah. through via how does it feel to me with you know the the pound in my pocket and whether I've been furloughed or I haven't been furloughed and whether my costs are going up or they're not going up yeah th those individual impacts kind of aggregated up to you know the thousands of people who replied to our survey does give you this reliable measure of how the UK consumer is feeling and one of the conclusions um, that, you, that we make in the quarter one report is that customers are going to be more demanding perhaps going going forward so i'm probably trying to think about you know the link of you know sentiment to customer behavior um so yeah your conclusion customers are going to be more demanding do we think yeah so the the, the logic there is that as your money gets tighter you become a little bit choosier about the way you spend your money and to some extent that's you know kind of uh an obvious truism, isn't it? What, what's interesting about it is that in sort of the recent past, we've seen, you know, consumer confidence or our index of consumer sentiment coming down. We've seen customer satisfaction, as in the UK CSI, trending up. And initially, that might seem a bit surprising. But the other thing we've seen from UK CSI is that the number of complaints is going up. So I think there is, if you put all those pieces of information together, I think there is this kind of emerging picture of customers perhaps becoming harder to please, perhaps being quicker to complain, but ultimately it is possible to keep them satisfied and the people who do keep them satisfied will be the ones who keep them loyal uh, and keep those customers coming back to them. Yeah, I heard some stuff recently about not not only what have we gone through, but but also about the rise of I think it's called consumer activism, mm -hmm. where people customers are feeling more empowered and not just sort of know my rights, thumping on the table empowerment, but but I do expect a good service and I have a voice and I'm willing to 
share that voice more positively or you know or negatively and i think that links into bigger political things and you, you know whether it's wearing masks or not wearing masks and covid anti-covid or the whole black lives matter thing but yeah. i think that's probably that's quite an interesting sort of um, angle as well it is and i think it, it very much varies by sector that if you were to look at something like let's say um food retail which is a yeah. You know, as we all know, an extraordinarily competitive sector. It's absolutely the case there that customers feel like they have the power, at least to a degree. And you can see campaigns like um, famously on social media uh, recently, Jack Monroe was talking about how the prices of basic goods are going up very fast. And yeah. it certainly seems like uh, brands like Asda have reacted to that and made sure that they are offering more of those sort of basic brands at, at very affordable prices. I think in that sector, if consumers decide that they're looking for more accessibly priced basic type products, there will be a move towards Lidl, who, who continue to do very well at the moment, uh, and towards the brands that do offer those more sort of um, affordable options. Whereas if you take something like energy, uh, yeah. as we've mentioned already, I'm not sure consumers feel the same sense of power in the energy sector that they do in food retail. Yeah, yeah. I mean, the ability to vote with your feet is is very different. It's very but literally different. not there at the moment in many cases. Yeah, absolutely, yeah. Who within organisations do you think should be getting a bit more familiar with customer um, um, sentiment to help do their job better, to help from that perspective? Well, I think... If it was me, if I, if I was running um, really any business, I think it, it is, as you say, it's it's there and it's free. Why would you not download it and have a look um, and sort of factor it into your planning? I think even a business-to-business organisation, almost always, you know, the, those organisations work in a system, don't they? And at the end of that system somewhere is usually consumers. So even if you're a business-to-business supplier, you need to know what the, it's a bit like the weather forecast, isn't it? You know, what, yeah. what is the sort of, you know, consumer confidence forecast? Um, it, it's, it's something that if I was in any way involved in a sort of strategy or planning or, or really thinking about the future uh, of an organisation, I'd want to know what was happening in the minds of consumers. I know that, that that's a very non-specific answer, isn't it? But, but yeah, I mean, it, sort of everyone, really. Yeah, I, I I think I was probably expecting you to be a bit more specific, but, <laughs> I but I sort of I sort of understand where 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 you're getting at in terms of leaders, you know, and it's more than customer measurement, customer research, marketeers. Yeah, I think it's giving. And I think I mentioned before, but it's that if that's how people feel today, they're going to behave in a way. And I think people who are interested in how customers are going to feel, sorry, how customers are going to behave in the future based on how they feel today. It's a really, really good read for that. Beyond the overall indexes, and, and as we talked about the sort of the components of it, which are, are more about kind of right now versus future, there is also the individual questions that are reported. So there's five questions that make up the index of consumer sentiment. And in there are things like, you know, right now is a good time to buy expensive items like, you know, tellies or something. And I think questions like that, you know, just as an individual question, that must be quite relevant for you if you're thinking about consumer behaviour. Yeah, that's very interesting. So where can people get it in terms of of, of reading the free (laughs) white paper on the index of consumer sentiment? I'll put a link in the show notes, but it's available on our website, tlfresearch.com. 
Thanks very much for listening. If you're using iTunes, please subscribe, rate, and review us. And if you want to get in touch, you can find us on Twitter at TLF Research or at TLFresearch.com. Bye, everyone.